tuning in with us today. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. Uh, we're in the middle of our sermon series entitled Hero Makers. Y'all say Hero Makers. That's right. We're talking about hero makers. And to be a hero maker, you have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, because Jesus was the ultimate hero maker. Everywhere that he went, all he did was make heroes of disciples. He said, if you come follow me, he didn't say this, but this is what he was doing. If you come follow me, I'm going to make you a hero maker because you're going to change the life of thousands of people around you for generations and generations to come, all simply by following me. And guess what? That's the same invitation that he gives you and me, that we all have the opportunity and the invitation to be a disciple of Jesus and to be hero makers to those around us. Amen? And last week, we started off the series. We talked about the life of a disciple, what the life of a disciple was. You could go back online on, on our Facebook page, or you could go to our app, and get the notes from that. But this week, we're going to talk about the function of a disciple. The function of a disciple. And man, I've been recently uh, watching The Chosen. How many of y'all know what The Chosen is? Hands? Okay. If you don't know what The Chosen is, you online. If you don't know what The Chosen is, The Chosen is pretty much the life of Jesus, but they take you through the Bible, pretty much through the Gospels. They take you through the Gospels of the Bible, and they put and they reenact the Bible. So when you go and you watch The Chosen, you're going to see when Jesus met the woman at the well. When she said, come meet a man that told me everything that I ever did, you're going to see that. You're going to see the man that was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years and he could never get in, and you're going to see Jesus heal him. All the stories that you hear about in the Gospels, guess what? You're going to hear about it, and you're going to watch it in The Chosen. And as we're talking about the life of disciple and hero makers, and even when we're in our daily readings, when we're going through uh, the, the Gospels, I encourage you, watch The Chosen, because it's going to bring a different perspective of the Bible alive, because you're going to see the stories that you read about, you're going to see a Mac out, and I'm telling you, I can't handle it. I see those stories, and I see like how the disciples like, why did you choose me? Out of all the people, I'm not worthy. And then I begin to think about myself, like, why did you choose me? I'm not worthy. And then, and then the tears start flowing. <laughs> and then you start seeing all the, I'm telling you, man, when you see, I don't, well, it's in the Bible, so it's not like I'm giving it away. But it's like, <clears throat> but if you just, just watch the reenactment of all, and then you see the sad things like um, uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was given the opportunity to follow Jesus, and it was on his heart weighing heavy. And then when Jesus told him what time they were leaving, he showed up, but he didn't follow. And he broke down in tears, and you felt bad for Nicodemus. Like, he was so close, but he didn't follow. And then it just breaks your heart because you're like, oh, why you can't get it right, Nicodemus? But I'm telling you, and you can actually download it on your phone. So if you have an iPhone, you can go to the App Store, and you can just type in The Chosen. And you can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your iPad. And if I know we have uh, Comcast, and it's on there as well. You can just type in or just say The Chosen, and it'll pop up. And you can watch it for free. But I encourage you, while you're going through the Gospels, watch The Chosen too, because it's going to bring the Bible to life in a real, real way, especially the life of a disciple. So the function of a disciple, that is what we're talking about today. So last week, we talked about the life of a disciple. What does the life of a disciple look like? This week, we're going to talk about what is the function of what is the meaning of a disciple. What does this look like? We know about the life, but what's the purpose of a disciple? What, what is the function of the What is a disciple really supposed to do? And we're going to look at that today, but let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for the worship that went forth today. I thank you, Lord God, that it refreshed our hearts. That, Lord God, the overwhelming spirit of victory will arise and continue to rise on the inside of us to overcome every situation and obstacle that we face. I thank you that as we go into your word today that you would uh, just make it clear. Speak directly to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abind hindrances and distractions right now, but let us focus in on what you would have to say directly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. You following online? You guys that are online watching with us, all the notes are on the app. You can follow along with this too on our download our app. You can see the notes there. So the function of disciple. The first function of a disciple that we're going to talk about today is this. The first function of a disciple is I am a student. I am a student. All of us, as we are following Jesus, the first thing that we need to know is we're a student, meaning that it's time for us to learn. Because I don't know how long, how old you are when you got saved or how old you are right now, but you've been learning the world system up until the time that you came to surrender your life to God. Now it's time to learn something new. Now it's time to learn something different, and now you're going to have to become a student of the Bible. The, the purpose of a disciple is this. I study the Bible. I'm a student of the word of God. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, study this book of instructions continually. How long are you supposed to study it? Continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. How many times have you tried to prosper and succeed in your own strength? How many times have you tried to prosper and succeed in your own knowledge, in your own understanding? And it may have started off good, and you thought, oh, I got it. And then you're like, oh, this ain't it. Because we need the book of instruction to, we need to meditate on that day and night continually. Why? Because the more understanding of the word that you get, guess what it gives you? It gives you more wisdom. It gives you more understanding and knowledge on and how to live your everyday life. A disciple studies the word of God. But this, this is the thing about a student or a disciple. Just because you know the word of God doesn't mean you know how to apply the word of God to your life, to your everyday life. You know, there's a lot of people that could quote some scriptures. And then you say, well, why are you quoting all them scriptures? Why don't you apply some of them to your life? Why are you trying to to uh, look down on me with your scriptures, how about you apply that to your life and take some of your own advice? Because we love to quote scriptures. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about some people. People love to quote scriptures. But you're like, now, how are you quoting all these scriptures, but your life don't look nothing like the scriptures that you're talking about? What does that mean? Just because you know the word doesn't mean that you know how to apply it in your life to be successful. It's great that you know the word, but can you apply it to your everyday life? And the student or a disciple, they say, now I'm not just studying the word just so I can memorize it. That's great. You need to know the word. But I need to know how to read the word, and I need to know how do I apply this to my everyday life? How do I apply this to my everyday life? So there's two stages of a disciple. There's two stages of a disciple. The first stage is this, is the equipping stage. This is the equipping stage. In 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. How many times have you read the word and you're like, ooh, that's me right there. I know that, that attitude, they, ooh, what they talking about, that's me. That's wrong in my life. I need to change that. That's what the word does. That's his job. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to what? Equip his people to do every good work. <coughs> Excuse me. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we need to allow the word to equip us to do every good work that God has called us to do. Because that's what the disciples did. They followed Jesus, and Jesus began to teach them, and they began to ask him questions, and all he was doing was preparing them and equipping them for the work that he knew that was ahead of them. So when we study the word of God, we have to say, God, I need to get in your word because I know it's equipping me to accomplish the work that you have for me that's coming ahead. But if you never get in a word to study the word, when it's time to, to get into action, you I don't know what to do because you don't have the word inside of you. But the word, it equips you. It, it prepares you for the good, every good work that God has for you. Uh, when you're studying, you're, you're gaining understanding and knowledge of the word to apply to your everyday life. This is vital to the life of a disciple. 
As disciples following Jesus, Jesus, he equipped them for the work that was ahead of them. So when I began to, to follow Jesus and I began to pursue Jesus, I said, you know what? For my everyday life, I need the word to transform my mind because my thinking was messed up. And I was like, I, I know I've been, for 21 years, I've been thinking this way. And I know this way is not right. So I need something else to transform my mind so I can understand how in the world can I change the way that I think. It's the word of God. Because the more that you meditate on it, the more that you study it, and the more that you apply it to your life, guess what begins to happen? The way that you think, the way that you process things, the decisions that you make, they begin to change because now you're filtering it through the word of God and not through your flesh. Because when you filter things through your flesh, guess what? <laughs> it's a 50-50 chance, and I don't, you might not want to take that chance because you, like, you find yourself in some situations. You're like, man, I, should, I knew I shouldn't have did that. I knew I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I, I was wrong. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. But why? Because you didn't filter or you didn't apply the word of God in that situation. Because the word it will teach you about patience. When we want, we want it now. We don't want to wait. When we hear the word, God is coming and he's going to move in your life soon. Well, when is soon? It's soon today. It's soon tomorrow. Is it a week? Like, how long is soon? I, I know you're saying soon, but when? I want the date and the time because I want to know. Why? Because we're impatient. But when you begin to study the word, it teaches you how to be patient. The word teaches you how to be long-suffering. Why do so many... People that begin to follow Christ, why don't they make it? Because they never learn how to be long-suffering. Because if they don't get instant gratification out of, see, I'm putting in this time, Jesus, to study the word, and I'm spending this time going to church, and I'm spending this time praying, but I don't see the results that I've been, that I feel like I need at this moment in time because all of the work that I'm putting in. So guess what? I'm out. Because we don't get instant gratification, we begin to say, you know what? I'm out because we don't know how to endure. We're not long-suffering, but the word teaches us how to be long. It transforms, what I'm trying to say is, it transforms the way that you think. And all of us need a transformation in the way that we think. Because every morning that you wake up, guess what wakes up to? That flesh. I never met a person that woke up in this morning and said, you know what, flesh is still asleep, but guess what? My Holy Spirit that lives inside of me is the only one that is awake this morning. No, that flesh up too, especially if you're tired and you got to wake up. Oh, here we go again. I got to go to this job, deal with these people. What is that? That's the flesh. That's your flesh speaking. I got to deal with these kids. They know they should be in the bed sleep, but they in my room messing with me. What? That's the flesh speaking. And we have to put to death our flesh, but we need the word to help us transform our minds so we know how to combat the flesh when the flesh tries to rise up. But if you don't get in the word, you don't know how to do that. You find yourself, I know I need to do something. You ever been in that position before? I know I need to do something. I just don't know what to do. I know this isn't it. I just don't know the right thing to do. What is that? You need to get in the word. You need to ask, God, give me a word that's going to equip me to live my everyday life. Because that's what the word does. It equips you. The second stage of a disciple is this. So we have first the stage of a disciple is equipping. The word equips us. It equips us, prepares us how to live our everyday life. The second stage of a disciple is observation. It's observation. Not only am I studying the word and allowing the word to equip me for my everyday life, but I'm observing. Observing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Read that again. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So if you walk with the wise, what do you do? You get wiser. If you associate with fools, what's going to happen? You're going to get in trouble. And some people like trouble. That means they like fools. I mean, that's not me. That's what the word says. That's not me. The word says if you associate with fools, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And boy, did I find myself in some trouble. And I thank, ooh, I thank Jesus that the trouble that I found myself in didn't land me in jail because it very well should have. But it was just by the grace of God that it did not. Because why? I was associating, and I was a fool as well. <laughs> Talk about them, I was a fool. 
But when you become wise and you say, you know what, I need to change my surroundings. I need to get around some wise people. And you know this, when I get around people that I really admire, I really don't say that much. I just observe. When I began to get saved in the church and I started reading the word and the word started to equip me, I began to notice my pastors and leaders and, I, and see how do they operate? How do they move? What, what go, how do they handle people? How do they make decisions? You know how I learned how to pray? By watching my pastor. You, learn how, you know how I learned how to read my word? By watching my pastor break down the word. And he taught, and all by observation. I didn't ask one question. It was simply by observation. And you can learn a lot just by observing. And on the flip end of that, just by observing, I realized I don't need to hang out with that person. I need to stay clear of them because they, they seem like they act in one way, but then I hear their conversations. I'm like, you know what? I just think I need to stay clear of them. But observation, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that comes from their lives and follow the example of their faith. How do I follow the example of their faith? I observe them. That means I get up close and personal to them. The disciples of Jesus, that when you can see it in the chosen, they're up close and personal with Jesus. So it was a lot of observing. And then I just watched the scene uh, yesterday when they said, you always go to the secluded place and you spend time away from us, but you, you're saying that you're praying. What, 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 are, you, what are you saying? What, what are you doing? And that's when they say, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray like you. What are they doing? They observing that he's going and doing something. They say, well, obviously this is giving you strength. We need that same thing too. And when you get up, up close and personal to Jesus and you begin to observe his life, guess what? You begin to say, you ask the right questions as a student. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to understand your word. Every time I read the word of God, I always say this prayer. Lord, speak to me clearly today. Give me fresh revelation and understanding of who you are so that I may draw closer to you. And I pray. Those, I pray that every time I read the word, because I'm not going in it with my natural eyes because I'm going to miss it. Because the, the riddles and all that, I, they can just go over my head. But the, the, my spirit, man, it craves it. And I observe the word. And I observe my leaders. And notice when I said I observe my leaders, I observe them. I didn't critique them. Because some people think critiquing is observing. No, you just want to be critical. You just want to nitpick. Well, I would have made this decision. If it was me, I would have did that. No, I'm not talking about critiquing, observing. Because none of us are perfect. All of us fall short. So I'm not, so, so when I was looking at my leaders and my pastors, I wasn't looking for perfection. I'm just simply saying I'm following their good example. Their good example. And say, you know what? That's how you treat your wife. I see how they handled their wives and say, that's how you talk to your wife. That's how you treat your kids. That's okay. I see in that situation, I remember one time there was a situation where I, <laughs> we, were playing, um, we were playing football. And for whatever reason, they wanted to play uh, tackle football. And I'm like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I, I, I don't have time for no broken bones. So I was reluctant, but I played anyway. And you know, when guys get together and things get competitive, thing, tempers get to flaring. Because they, they got, you know, like my, my, my college coach used to always say this, nobody wrestles to lose. When guys horse play, you know how guys just start horse playing and it turns, it's joking at first, but then at some point it turns serious because nobody wants to lose. Oh, he feel like he's showing me up. I got to show him. And then it's serious. So that's what happened out there in football. It turned out joking and then it got real serious. But there was a pastor out there, and the pastor, he felt like just because I'm a pastor, that if I just say I'm a pastor, then it's going to de-escalate the situation. Well, what happened was the guy misunderstood what he said. He, the, 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 the guy said, hey, I'm pastor, and he said his name. And then, but the guy thought he said master. Master? Man, we, I, there ain't nobody master with and he just this the dude just I mean he went off and it was like and I'm sitting back observing like what's gonna happen I'm like what and I'm looking back like what's gonna happen and I have to give him credit 
He kept the cool. Obviously, he was kind of afraid of this boy because the dude was going crazy. And he handled the situation with calmness and with wisdom. And he said, you know what, guys? I'm sorry if you misunderstood what I said. And he explained to him. And he was like, let's just pray. And let's just come together because we don't want it. We are brothers in Christ. We don't want to have this disunity among us. Let's just pray. And guess what happened? The whole situation calmed down. And simply by observing, I said, you know what? That's how you handle situations like that. Let's pray. Because when you can pray in about, I don't care how angry you are, you might still be angry, but you're going to calm down when it comes to prayer. And I was, just by observing certain situations, it allowed me to realize this is how I need to be. I follow the good example in my life. I need to implement some of these things in my life. So as a student, the word equips us to help us live for our everyday life, but we also observe to say, if I don't know what to do, I need to follow someone that is wise and become wiser. Like we read in Proverbs, follow the wise and become wiser. Associate with fools, get in trouble. But the people that are wise, you say, I need to follow their good example. Amen? Amen. And the season of observation, it can feel like it's never over because you feel like I'm ready to jump into action. You can observe for a while, you ever, and you say, oh, I'm ready now. I've, 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 I'm equipped now. I got the word in me. I've observed. I'm ready for action. I'm ready to go. The disciples were the same way. Peter thought he was ready. Then he cut a man's ear off. He was like, oh, hold on. Wait, wait a second now, Peter. Let's put the swords away. And then Jesus had to put the man's ear back on. You're not, you're not ready yet, Peter. <laughs> I know you're passionate, but you need to observe a little bit longer. And there was even a moment in The Chosen where Peter was like, he wanted, I need some more action. I need some more responsibility. Jesus says, yes, your time will come. It's just not right now. He's like, why? Because I'm still here. And those things, you can feel like I'm ready. And then Peter also he tried to rebuke Jesus when Jesus was telling him the plans about him dying. He just knew he had the authority to, to correct Jesus. Why? Because he felt he was ready. And sometimes we could feel the same way. Oh, I'm ready. I got the word in me. I've been observing. I'm ready. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is a time for observation. But guess what? There will be a point in time where Jesus said, now it's time for action. Now it's time to move. And when he says it's time to move, you can't just stay stagnant and say, well, I just need to observe a little bit longer. No, no, no. Now it's time for action. Now it's time to move. You, ooh, y'all asking me to do that? Yes, you ready. It's your time. I don't know about that, Pastor. I just, I just need a little bit more time. No, no, no. The time for observing and equipping, you have, you're equipped. You have observed. Your time is now. Boy, we will let that fear come in our hearts. Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. You want me to speak in front of the church? You want me to do the announcements? You want me to lead the meeting? You want me to, you want me to do what? Say what? Yes, the time is now. Because some people get stuck, stuck in the observation mode. They just feel like, I just need to learn and learn. Yes, you do need to learn. But at some point, you need to get to action. And Jesus will call you, and you will know, because there you'll feel unsettled in your heart. You'll feel an unrest and like, I feel like I should be doing more. Yeah, because you're not doing anything. That's why you feel like you need to be doing more, because you're not doing anything. And God is saying, now it's time for action. If you ever feel like that, I feel like I could be doing more action. Like, what am I doing now? And usually it's like, well, I can't think of what I'm doing. Exactly. It's time for action. And Jesus will always let you know when it's time for action. Amen? So the first function of a disciple is a student. I'm a student. The second uh, function of a disciple is this. I practice his teachings. I practice his teachings. First John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. And when we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Hey, that's what the word said again. That's, that's not me. I know God, but doesn't follow God's commands. That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. 
Those who say they live in God should live their lives as who? As Jesus did. What does that mean? I'm following his example. I'm following Jesus' example. So now that we've begun the journey of becoming a student, we move to the next phase of putting Jesus' practices into action. So what does that mean? That means I practice his teaching on what he taught. So what did Jesus teach? He taught about forgiveness. So that means when the opportunity for me to get offended comes up, what do I do? I put into practice his teachings on forgiveness, and I forgive. What does it talk about on faith? That means that when situations arise that make me fearful, that means that I rise up in faith and say, I put faith into action just like he did. When there was, he always went to his father to pray. Because think about this. He knew he had to endure the cross. That was all. He knew that's why he came. But just because he knew it came didn't mean it was easier. It made it, much, it, made it easier. He still needed to, because how many times did he go back in the garden and say, God, please take this bitter cup of suffering away if you can, but let your will be done. Meaning that it was hard for him, but he needed to go to his father to get faith to say, I know what I feel, but I know what you called me to do. Help me overcome the emotions that I feel. What does that mean? We need to do the same thing. We need to go to the Father. When things, are, when things are bothering us, we need to go to the Father and put to practice what Jesus did. He gave God his heart. These are the concerns that are going on. He didn't hold them to himself. Where you could say, well, he's Jesus. God already knows, yes, but he wants him to verbalize or communicate what is going on. Because sometimes we get mad at God. We're like, God should know what I'm going through. Yes, he knows, but he's waiting for you to tell him. He's waiting. Tell me what's going on. Speak out what's going on. Speak out what you need. Speak out what's bothering you. But sometimes we get afraid, like, he should know. Why should I have to tell him? Okay, well, keep going on the way you're going then. But he's waiting for you to speak out. So we practice the things that Jesus taught. We follow his example when it comes to these things. And what did Jesus talk about sin? Every time he healed someone, he said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You are healed, but go and sin no more. That was important. So what do we do? That means go and sin no more. <laughs> Don't deliberately. And I'm not saying that, oh, I mean, pastor said I can't sin no more. We all fall short. But the point is I'm not pursuing or actively pursuing things that I know are sinful. That's what that means. Go and sin no more means that I'm not actively pursuing things that I know are contrary to the word of God. I know I'm not pursuing things that are contrary to the example of Jesus Christ. That means I'm turning away from that lifestyle and I'm following his example. And I'm putting his example and his teaching to practice. So all the things that Jesus taught, now I begin to put these things into practice. And this isn't an overnight process. I know sometimes we can feel like, man, they, they feel like there's so much things going on, I never get it right. Little by little, day by day. Because don't get overwhelmed, because putting things into practice is, is like this. It's, I'm asking Jesus, what in my life is all that I need to bring order? What, uh, what things that you practice and that you taught in my life that I'm not doing currently in this moment? And then I say, I put those things in order. And then you can feel like, man, that's a long list. And, and you could get frustrated. And you could feel like, man, it's, I seem like no matter how hard I try, I can never get it right. That's the enemy. That's him trying to bring condemnation on you. Don't allow that. You say, hey, this is just where I'm at right now. This is just the season I'm in. Where I'm just, and the thing about bringing things into order is it's painful. Because that means you have to confront some things that you've probably been hiding for years. Things that you've been pushing to the side for years. But when you finally have to confront those things and put them in order, it's painful. Because you can think of all the memories and all the excuses of why you've been pushing it to the side. And now Jesus is like, put into practice my teachings so now you can get freedom. So now they can have order in your life. And you can feel, oh, I'm getting frustrated with this because I feel like I can never get it right. No, no, no. Little by little, day by day. Also, I practice getting my relationships in order. I practice getting my finances in order. I practice getting everything in order in my life that I need to by putting his practices and his teachings in my life to gain access to order. You know what Jesus loves? Order. He loves order. 
Because he knows that a person that has order, he can give more responsibility to because they can manage it. But if it's chaos and confusion everywhere and there's no order, how can I give you more responsibility? Because there's chaos and confusion everywhere. But a person that has order says, okay, I can handle that extra responsibility that you're giving me because I know how to get things in order and I can focus on it. You can't focus on anything that God's give you if there's chaos and confusion everywhere because you it's chaos and confusion. You can't think clear. You're like, ooh, I just, this too much. I just, ooh, this too much. I just, this let me focus on this. Just let me focus on this little one thing right here first, and then when I get this in order, then I can worry about that. And that's what he's saying. Put things in order. We know the areas in our lives that need order. And don't be frustrated or don't feel like, oh, this will never work. I never, no, 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 no. Little by little, day by day. And don't, I know we're impatient, but this is things you will have to practice, what? Patience. And say, God, give me the strength to endure until I get these things in order. And if you practice and you put them, I'm telling you, eventually you're gonna look up and those things are gonna be in order. And you're gonna be like, wow, this is amazing. I know it is, because that's why he wants you to be. He's called us to be a people of order, because he was a man of order. I'm gonna stop on that. But the second thing is, we practice his teachings. Third and final thing, now that we practice, we, we become students, we practice his teachings, now I follow Jesus' example. I know I kind of talked about this a little bit. He said, what's the difference? We explain. It's going to be a little different. I follow Jesus' example. John chapter 13, verse 12, it says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's who, what I am. And since I, the Lord, the teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor the messenger more important than the one who sends message, the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. If you never put Jesus' teachings, in, uh, if you never follow Jesus' example, or you never practice his teaching, you will never follow his example, and you will never fulfill the things that he has for you in his fullness. I'm going to say it again. If you never put into practice his teachings and follow his example, you never accomplish what he wants, to, wants you to accomplish in its fullness. You still can accomplish some things, but the grand scheme of what he wants, you'll never accomplish those things if you don't put the, into practice his teachings and follow his example. Because you're always going to be go stuck between two worlds, the world of following him and the world of doing what you want to do. And when you're stuck in those two worlds, guess what? You'll never accomplish everything that he wants for you in his fullness. But when you live the sold-out life that says, I'm going to put to practice his teachings, and I'm going to follow his example, guess what? You can accomplish a lot more in his fullness of what he wants for you because you live a surrendered life as a disciple. But if you never get to that point, you'll never receive or fulfill those things in his fullness. And how do we do that? It's called self-examination. Like I said, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but self-examination is something that you should do daily. Self-examination is something that you should do for the rest of your life. There should never come a point in your time where you say, I've, I've arrived. No more self-examination needed. I've learned all that I can learn. I've gained all the wisdom that I can gain. Jesus, I have arrived. You know, that, that you, you, now you need to go back and do some more self-examination about your pride. But self-examination is this. God, what inside of me is not following your example? God, what inside of me is not following your ways and your teaching? And you begin to allow the, allow the word of God to correct you and the spirit of God to correct you as well. And he says that he corrects those that he loves or he disciplines those. Discipline not mean punish, but he corrects because he loves you. And he wants to bring order in your life. And when you begin to do self-examination, you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to say, you know what? I know this is wrong. The way that I've been thinking and processing, the way that I've been feeling, I know this is wrong. I need to surrender that to the Lord. And the more that you do self-examination, the closer that you'll follow to him. And the easier it will be to hear his voice and to do the things that he's called you to do. 
is when you do self-examination. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, and you should, follow, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's Paul speaking. Paul realized that I'm doing all these wonderful things, and I have people following me. But despite of all the wonderful things that I'm doing, I know that the reason I'm doing these things is because of Jesus Christ. And so you people that are following me, don't follow me to be like me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what Paul was saying. Imitate me, and you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. What he's saying is, as you follow me, don't follow me to be like me. Follow me to be more like him. And when you become a student, and when you put into practice Jesus' teachings, and when you follow Jesus' examples, at some point you'll look up and there's going to be people following you. And as they follow you, you tell them, hey, as you follow me, don't be like me. Be like Jesus, the one that we're both following. Because we're both pursuing him together. I'm just the one that he used to help you draw closer to him, but ultimately we need to be more like him. That's, and, and that's the role of a disciple. It says, as you follow me, imitate me as I imitate him. Because you need to imitate him, not me. Does that mean that you can't learn from that person? No. That just means that the example that I follow is the example of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul knew. That's why he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And people would say, man, Paul did all these great things. You should, yes, we should implement and imitate some of the things that Paul did. But ultimately, the person that we're following is Jesus Christ. Because that's the person that we're going to have to stand before and give an account to our lives. For everything, every idle word, every thought, everything that we've done, we're going to have to give an account to Jesus. So it better be important that I follow and imitate him. Because ultimately, that's who we have to give a report to. And when I began to follow Jesus' example, what I'm doing is I'm shouldering my cross, and I say, God, now I'm following you. Ultimately, the disciple, you have to begin to follow Jesus. And when you, when you make that decision to follow him, what you're saying is, I shoulder my cross, I bear my cross, and I, now I follow you. But if you never become a student, and you never put into practice his teachings, and you never follow his example, you'll never follow him. All three work hand in hand. All three work together. If you never do all three, you'll never shoulder your cross. you never get to the point where you shoulder your cross and follow him because it's always going to be about you and what you have going on. It's always going to be about you. And, and what is it? And when we do all three of these things and people are following us, we're playing a part of the Great Commission. That's when we play our role in the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, which all of them did, which you have done. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with angels in his glory, in the glory of his Father, and will judge all people according to their deeds. So we're all going to be uh, judged according to all of our what? Our deeds. Meaning, what he's called you to do, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be judged accordingly to that. You say, well, God, I didn't know that you wanted me to do that. Well, did you pursue me? Did you show you your cross and follow me? Because we're going to have to give that. Man, when you start thinking about it in those terms, you say, I got some work to do. <laughs> I, got, I got some work to do because I don't want to stand before him. And he shows me this. Look, this is the life that I had for you. Let me show you what I had for you, son and daughter. This is, these, this is the life that I had for you, but you couldn't show to your cross and follow me, so I gave it to somebody else. I don't want to hear that because guess what? He's merciful and he's gracious, but if you keep denying what he's called you to do, he's going to give it to somebody else that's going to be obedient to his voice. I'm always reminded about the story of Ron Hart Bunke. Some of you might know him, some of you might not. This man, literally, he was a, um, an evangelist to Africa. He's a German, but he was a, uh, an evangelist to Africa. 
and literally over, I want to say, 50 million, probably more than that. How many? 75 million people came to Christ as a result of that man's preaching because of that man's obedience. 75 million. And recently, maybe four or five years ago, he went to be with the Lord. Can you imagine the ovation he received in heaven? 75 million people, Africans, saved as a result of this man's obedience to God. But that's not even the craziest part. The crazy part of this story is this, is that he was in England, and God spoke to him and says, I've called you to Africa. He was like, I don't even know where that is. I've never been there before. But he said, I called somebody before you, and they didn't answer. And if you don't answer, I'll call somebody else. He obeyed. I don't know who the person was that missed the call, but he listened. 75 million. We're all going to be according, judged according to our deeds. And I'm not trying to put an extra weight on you. What I'm saying is there's grace and there's time to get it right. All, this, all we're talking about is there's grace and there's time to get it right. But we got to get busy. We got to get moving because we feel like we got the luxury of time. And we do have the luxury of time, but we don't know how much time. That's the only thing. We don't know how much time. But guess what? There is grace to do the will of God for your life. Amen? Amen. In the Bible, you know how it gives you the, like, before you read a certain passage, it says this, this is what you're about to read, like, the Great Commission, or Jesus feeds the multitude. In the Bible, it says, this is what it says, true disciples. And then it reads this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to, my, out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But he will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. What does that mean? Be a student. Study the scripture. Let it equip you. Observe it. Put his practices into te- uh, put put to pr- uh, put into practice his teaching. Follow his example. Have a relationship with him. Commun- just like Jesus did. We talked about her. Jesus communicated everything that was heart- in his heart to the Father. Why? Because he wanted the Father to know. I know you, and you know me. I have a relationship with you. But so many people, they don't follow his teachings. They try to tell you what to do, but they, this is what they do. They try to tell you what to do, but they don't follow it themselves. Let me tell you what to do. I could tell you what to do, but I don't do it myself. Those are the ones that are going to stand before you and say, depart from me. I never knew you. You worker of lawlessness. Or you worker of iniquity. Meaning that you tried to teach people and tell people what to do, but you didn't follow it yourself. I don't even know you. You never, And boy, people love to tell you what to do. Be careful. Be careful telling people what to do if you're not practicing those things yourself. So if I tell you something, please believe I'm doing it myself. Or I'm working on doing it myself because I don't want to tell you to do something that I myself am not doing. Because how can I lead you somewhere that I have never been? Everywhere that Jesus led his disciples was somewhere that they will be. That's why he could tell them even greater works you will do. Because I've led you to a place that I've been. And because I've overcome it, guess what? You could do even greater things. That's where we come in. We could do even greater things because he is the one that overcame. All we have to do, be a student, practice his teachings, and follow his example. I'm going to give you one more verse. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. It says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that we that what you hope for will come true then you will not be, be not, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent instead you will follow the example of those who were going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance what am i saying you're going to need faith and endurance in the life of a disciple faith and endurance as the life of a disciple because that's the only way you're going to inherit God's promises is by faith 
and endurance. Because there are going to be some things you're just going to have to believe in by faith. Lord, I don't see it, but guess what? By faith, obviously, but through my eyes of faith, I believe. Through my eyes of faith, I trust. Through my eyes of faith, I put my hope in you. And guess what's going to happen? Your endurance is going to get a chance to grow. And as your endurance grows, guess what? You can overcome anything that you walk through because now you learn how to be long-suffering. But if your endurance never grows and your faith is never put to test, when trials and tribulations come, you don't know what to do. You're going to fold. But when your faith and your endurance grows, you can boldly proclaim, I am victorious. Because I know I follow the one that has overcome the world. And in him I put my trust. In him I put my hope. And I know that victory is mine. That's the function of a disciple. What we talked about today, I stu- I'm a student. I study his word. I let it equip me. I observe it. I put his, practice, his teachings into practice, and I follow his example. That's the function of a disciple. When you do all three things, you're going to have other people following you. And guess what you're now? A hero maker. You're a hero maker to those that are now following you. That's the function of a disciple. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word today. Thank you that it was clear and that you speak directly to our hearts. I bind the enemy, the thief that would try to come in and steal and rob what you've spoken today so clearly to us, Lord God. And I pray that if there's any area in our life that we know we need to put into order, if there's any part of our lives, Lord, that we are not following your example, I thank you that there's grace for us. I thank you, Lord God, that there's grace for us to get it right, that there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. And I bind condemnation and guilt that will try to creep in by the enemy right now. I bind those lies of the enemy. But I thank you right now that an overwhelming spirit of victory will arise on the inside of us that says day by day, little by little, I will follow you. Day by day, little by little, I will put things in order. Thank you, Lord God, that greater the plans that you have for us. Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, and I thank you that we will fulfill that plan, that we would have the faith and the endurance to endure whatever it is that we need to endure to receive the promise. Lord, we all want to receive the promise. Do we fully know the promises that you have for us? We can read your word, but there's other things that you have for us that we want to obtain here on earth. There's promises here on earth and promises in heaven. And, Lord, we want all of them. We're going to receive every promise that you have, every good thing that you have for us on heaven and earth. Lord God, we want to receive those things by faith. We don't want to miss out on anything, Lord God, that you have for us. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you've chosen us, Lord God. We thank you that you've called us by name, that you know us by name, that we're in relationship with you, and that we're your son and daughters. And because we're your son and daughters, we are overcomers. Because you are the one that first overcame the world. You are the one that overcame death, hell, and the grave. And so, Lord God, we are victorious as well. We are overcomers as well. And I thank you for it right now that that same power, that same spirit of victory, it resides on the inside of us. And I pray right now that we begin to tap into that spirit of of victory and the power that's on the inside of us, that deutimous power that's on the inside of us that rose Christ from the dead. Let us operate in that same power in every area of our life. Let us not be defeated. I bind the spirit of, 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 of defeat right now in the name of Jesus. But I thank you that victory is arising in our hearts. Victory is rise, arising in our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Week two, the function of a disciple. And before we close, I want to give one final invitation. You can bow your head and close your eyes one more time. This is for anyone that wants to surrender their life to God, to come into right relationship with God. And I feel like the message was clear today, and you should know right now if you're in right relationship with God or not. And if that's you, you say, I want to get it right this morning. I want to come into right relationship with God. I want to 
rededicate my life or surrender my life for the first time. With no one else looking around, you watching online, you say, I want to rededicate my life or I want to come to Christ for the first time. If that's you, with no one looking around, just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Max, everyone, just to place their hand over their heart and just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today, this Sunday, I surrender my life to you. I lay down my will. I lay down my agenda. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life. Give me the strength. Give me the faith to pursue you, to endure everything that you've called me to endure, to draw closer to you. I rebuke every attack and every lie of the enemy that would hinder me from pursuing you. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for forgiving me. I am forgiven. My sins are forgiven. The shame is gone. The heavy weight is gone. The guilt is gone. The condemnation is gone, and I am free. I am free. I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord one more shout of praise this morning. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, if you're watching online, uh, drop a comment in the comment section. Let us know that you prayed that prayer. But also, if you're in the sanctuary, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, uh, let's connect. On the back it says, I've made a decision. Fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket. We'd love to connect with you at the end of service. Well, throughout the week. You drop it at the end of service, but we'll connect with you throughout the week. But man, that was week two of Hero Makers, the function of a disciple. If you're watching online, man, come join us next week for week three. Promise you won't be able to miss that. We're going to have a great time in worship and fellowship and in the word. But also, every Wednesday, uh, we have uh, prayer. We want to invite you to come out for prayer with us, to pray with us each Wednesday, 6.30 for one hour. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. But before we disconnect with those online, we want to give you an opportunity to give to those that want to give. There's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org. You could download our app. You could give that way as well. You could mail in a check or money order. But let's pray for those that are prepared to give online, then we'll disconnect from you guys. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, for your people that are generously giving, Lord God, unto you. Lord, we give you the first fruits. Lord, we give you the first of everything that we give, for it's yours anyway, Lord God. And we just thank you for blessing us, Lord God, for jobs that we be able to, to give our tithes and offerings to you. So we, we uh, freely and generously give it back to you, Lord God. And I pray that as we do that, that you bless it, that you bless our finances, Lord God, that there will be no lack, there will be no no, no uh, strain, there would be no struggle, Lord God, but I thank you that we would have more than enough, more than enough, Lord God, in our finances, in every area of our life. I thank you for the blessing of God to fall on each and every person today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining with us again this Wednesday, 630, for prayer. We love to see you in the building, and also join us next Sunday at 10 a.m. Love you guys. Have a great, great Sunday. We will see you Wednesday. Amen.